Hey, folks, Mark Scroggins with Cindy Hyde and Mira Lee McEwen uh, also with us that has had some really good questions. I want to I want to go back to where we just left off because I end up with a lot of people that come in and they make these these huge leaps that because somebody is an addict or an alcoholic um, or other, you know, mental health problems because somebody is bipolar, but they're properly medicated, you know, something like that, that I know that that means that they're a bad parent or, um, and I find that to be crap. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, I am sure that you have run a run across that. I have. And, you know, um, just because someone's in active addiction doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they're a bad parent. Um, however, um, you know, in, in addiction itself, addiction can be very selfish. Absolutely. And so, you know, may they, might they be more neglectful at times? Um, does the addiction come above and beyond their family at times or the majority of the time? Yes. Right. Um, but oftentimes once they become sober in whichever addiction they're in, you know, those behaviors start going away where all of a sudden, you know, they're replacing the acting out behaviors with healthy behaviors, which is spending more time with their children and doing more things. So, you know, in their active addiction and maybe at the highest part of their addiction, they can be um, not the best parent um, because they're in, they're so heavily into their addiction, but it doesn't mean they're a bad parent long term. And so that that oftentimes is a misnomer and, you know, and you've got a spouse that's hurting and so they're lashing out too, you know, that you can't possibly be a good parent when you're in your active addiction. And that part of that is true. Well, and they're seeing it through those particular lenses. Absolutely. Um, So like, I'll give you an example. One of the things that I think, you know, that you just mentioned where, you know, does the addiction come above everything else? So if somebody comes in and is telling me that, uh, my husband or my wife, whatever, is, uh, you know, is a sex addict. And so they're a shitty parent. You know, one of the questions I'm going to ask is, you know, well, is he or she missing the kiddos' games? Are they missing, you know, um, a presentation that the child is doing? So basically, if it is taking away from what, you know, one would think of anyway, you know, so – I'm looking at a person's involved parental involvement with the child, right? And so if they're missing something to go hook up with somebody on the side, that's an issue. But if they're not, you know, just because they are afflicted with something uh, doesn't in and of itself mean that they are not a good parent. Correct. Okay. That is correct. Um, good. So I wanted to make sure that I'm seeing that correct. Additionally, you know, when we talk about someone being sober from a drug and alcohol standpoint, very easy to determine that either you imbibe or you do not imbibe. Right. But that's a good word, right? I haven't used that in a while. I need to use that more. Um, but when we're talking about something with a sex addiction or a food addiction, when you use the term sober, very different definition than what I would use in talking about drug or alcohol addiction. So how do you, when you say sober, how do you define that within that context? And so we're, you know, just like with food addiction, we're not going to go without food. Right. And we would starve to death. Right. right? And, and really, you know, we are sexual creatures. Right. We we are, our bodies are designed for that. And so, um, you know, and in most cases, you're not going to completely, you know, stop having sex. However, right. you know, working with a therapist or, or a CSAT and, 
um, you know, recovery program, typically the therapist and the sponsor um, will help the uh, addicted person create what's called bottom lines. So if, for example, um, the person is watching porn, you know, multiple hours of the day and it's starting to take over, being able to go to his kids' games or her right. kids' games, um, then that would be put on the bottom line to say this is a behavior that I'm not going to participate in, in, right. in anymore. Um, or if, for instance, they're spending money on um, prostitution or going out to nightclubs to pick up people, that may be bottom lines that get added to sure. say these are, you know, you won't frequent these places anymore. You won't drive down Harry Hines where the prostitutes typically right. are, you know. And so, um, but what, what, you know, both the therapist and the sponsor have to help them do is to create top lines, which are things that will replace those bottom line behaviors. And okay. so, you know, going to the kids' games more frequently or, um, you know, working out more, um, you know, things that will give them, you know, the, the uh, feeling of success um, and will also make them feel better about themselves where, you know, the um, addiction is so shame-based and they feel so bad about themselves when they're in it. It really, to give them top-line work to do and top-line behaviors to do um, replaces those bad behaviors and those rituals. Okay. So that is, I can understand that. And that's something you, actually, it's kind of interesting to me. You, you find a difference with, um, Depending on the severity of the addiction and the addiction history will determine a lot of the times with a judge whether or not they will say just, you know, you can't drink any alcohol or take any drugs during your period of possession or say maybe eight hours or 12 hours prior as compared to sometimes you get them saying, no, no, we're going to, you know, fit you with a scram device to make sure that you are not, uh, you're not drinking or, uh, or drugging at, well, drinking, uh, at all. I wonder if they've ever had a case like that in family law where sex addiction has become something that has to be monitored and you're shaking your head. Yes. Sure. It's po I would think maybe that is a possibility. I don't know. I'd like to know the answer to that question as well. Yeah. Right. You know, but I think that, um, you know, that's why, you know, in any addiction, you should really have accountability partners. So in recovery, it's sponsors, it's other people in recovery that have longevity so that you can learn from them and, and um, learn what's healthy and what's not. Right. But, you know, in the therapy part of it, um, you know, the client has, um, you know, a lot of say. So Patrick Carnes created this process called the three circles where um, the, the client gets to have, you know, talk, you know, in those circles, determine what's good behavior, bad behavior and acting out behavior. Right. And so, and there's some other parts to that as well, but, um, but it just helps, it gives the client a role, um, in their recovery to say, these are the behaviors that get me in trouble. Right. And these are the behaviors that I need to stop in order to not be in my addiction anymore. And so, you know, just like you know, <laughs> if alcohol was the issue, you know, they might not ever go to the CVS again that they always bought alcohol from, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, but it, or whatever store um, they were frequenting, um, and because that would be a bottom line for them. If I go in there, I'm going to get triggered and I might want to drink. And so it's kind of the same thing. They create a plan for themselves with the help of either a therapist or a sponsor to help them get back to a place of these 
um, of getting away from those acting out behaviors and replacing them with better behaviors. Yeah, I would think, actually, I would think the attempts to regulate sex or love addiction would be vastly different. Um, and I don't know if I want to say even potentially inappropriate, frankly, as compared to drug or alcohol, because the, the whole thing with the, if you have an injunction against behavior, mm-hmm. you know, the whole point and the only reason to have that is because it is placing somebody else in danger of, of harm. Mm-hmm. And so really easy to understand if you're, you know, if you're lit or, you know, you're driving. loaded and you're driving and you've got a kid in the car or you're at home and you're lit, you know, the ability to properly care for the child is different as compared to with a sex or love addiction. But wouldn't it be the same if you're spending 19 hours, you have your possession of your kid and you're mm-hmm. spending 14 hours watching dirty mm-hmm. or porn on right. the internet right. and now your kid hasn't eaten, they're dirty and right. now they go back to mm-hmm. the other parent and your the other parent's like, what do you mean you haven't eaten and Right. I just, I I don't think you see as much of that to that. Because maybe you can control it within that cycle. So I guess it's. Yeah. I mean, so if somebody's drunk enough, you know, trying to make mac and cheese, you know, can be difficult. (laughs) Right. Whereas, you know, somebody can press pause on whatever's going on on the movie in there. But can you? I don't know. I I don't know. But can you? Yeah. But just, you know, just like. Um, any addiction, you know, typically the person in the addiction will wake up almost every day and say, I'm not doing this exactly. today. Right. Right. And yet they'll do it again and again and again because they don't have the right support system and the right, right help. And you're exactly right. Yes. In their addiction, they could be neglecting their children in some way that, you know, just like there can be an angry drunk, there can be an angry sex addict, right? That yeah. maybe is even abusive to their child. So, like, it, it's circumstantial depending on the case or on the person, you know, how they're acting out shows up for them. Um, but, yeah, it can, it can have a lot of different varieties of what it looks like and what the acting out behavior is, what, you know, one person may be acting out with. It's kind of like the difference between beer and bourbon, you know, is it, you know, some, you know, some people can be an alcoholic just drinking beer and, sure. and you know, another person can, you know, drink bourbon and that's their drug of choice, and that's how, you know, they stay in their alcoholism, and then others mix the two. So, you know, it just, it's it's got so many different tentacles, if you will, of what it can so, look like. Let me ask this, if it crosses uh, the line here, because one thing that I think you, you see, like, um, if someone is a pedophile, they tend to stay in the lane of what, their gender preferences. Okay. So if, if a guy is abusing little girls, he tends to just do that. Uh, it is far less where you see someone, uh, abusing both sexes. I have never run into this in a case, but I would anticipate that this argument would be at least attempted is that if somebody is a sex addict, then trying to say that their children are in danger because of the sex addiction. So have you seen that kind of jump made or uh, have you seen research that would tend to say, uh, you know, with someone being a sex addict, you know, their minor children are, are at risk? It would need to be, I would think, investigated to know what their arousal template is. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, and it's not 100% of the time the case, Sure, um, but if 
their, um, you know, if they were abused as a child themselves. So maybe they were abused at six years old. Right. Right. Um, and depending on whether it was a male or female that abused them, mm-hmm. um, they may have developed an arousal template for six-year-old little boys or little girls based right. on the type of abuse they endured. Um, that's one. That's one um, rule of uh, or school of thought. Um, another school of thought, you know, it's not common, but do they, re- you know, do they start out in adult sex stuff and then revert to children? I think it's probably a little more rare, but it's not, you know, you can't rule it out, you know, I mean, because, you know, the, the addiction itself does has, have to escalate in a lot of cases. So, um, so I think, you know, doing the due diligence, having assessments run to see what the arousal templates are. Um, you know, you know, if it's part of a, a custody or divorce case would be probably wise. But again, you know, the assessments are only as good as the honesty. And so right. if, if, you know, if, if the person is dishonest in their assessment, you know, and it may take further um, investigation by therapists to, to determine whether or not, you know, that could be plausible. So we've talked, we've talked a lot about sex addiction. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about love addiction and how you differentiate between between those two yeah so um you know pia melody calls it um kind of crazy love and so um you know it's it's really truly the addiction to love and so a lot of times it might it might show up in you know um and you see it more in women although it is it is common in men too um, where sex addictions you see more in men, but it's, it can be common with women as well. Um, but, you know, so what happens is, is that a love addict will either layer one relationship after another um, or, you know, one person after another um, in order to get the fulfillment of love. And it's, it's typically love they did not get in childhood. And so they're constantly yearning to find um, the love so that they can feel complete. And so, um, so that's kind of the gist of love addiction and it can cause sexual acting out behavior because they may be having sex to get love. And so even though they may not be a true sex addict, although a lot of times it can turn into that where they're then a sex love addict, um, because they're using sex to get what they perceive to be love. So, um, I see this with a lot of women that I work with that their their thought process is, well, if I just have sex, then they'll love me, right? right? And so um, so it's an, an ongoing thing. Um, but a lot of times, um, you know, they, they have suffered from um, uh, rejection, neglect, or abandonment as children by their parents, by their primary caregivers, and so they will search for that um, in their adult life. Okay. Well, folks, we're going to have a couple more questions coming up after this segment, and then we will be wrapping it up. But this is something that um, I haven't really seen a whole lot of discussion about, and it is something that is becoming uh, more and more commonplace in my practice, uh, especially with some of the uh, the Google experts that I uh, that I run into every now and again. So everybody stay tuned. We're going to be right back with Cindy Hyde and uh, discussing some more sex and love addiction.